Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, guys. It's those guys. And today we're doing another episode of Star Trek Thursday. I'm Matt, and I'm here along with... John. Now, John. They've appeared again, John. Yep. We knew this day was coming. John, what? John, why is this happening, John? Well, you know, they were still you, – you design a new adversary, you got to kind of give them a proper shakedown and try to make them work. And honestly, like I said, I, I think it was a step in the right direction. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right on, rec- yeah. on record to say that. They're definitely not there yet, and they're definitely not the new adversary that's, that Next Gen needed, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, so we are talking about – uh, we were talking about the Ferengi specifically in the episode known as Battle. So, uh, yeah, I, you were talking to me, you said again, because you were talking to me about this off podcast. You were like, you know, I thought that actually this was a better portrayal of them. And i got to be honest with you, I agree. This definitely was better than what we had previously. Now, again, the bar, we should note, the bar was set very, very low. But it definitely is a much better portrayal of the Ferengi than previously. And I think the reason, reason why is because, look, I'm not saying you can't have villains that are like this, but it really depends on the marketing. And they were being marketed as like these, you know, like these, like you're in a suit and you're walking around and you're like, you know, I can't purchase this. Like, it was kind of like, um, oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. I feel terrible. It's from Star Wars. Um, it was uh, Count Dooku. Like, I imagine them being very much like Count Dooku, where it was, but they're more like, I mean, these gangly, kind of like bent they're over, like, they're like evil lanky. Jar Jars. <laughs> no. Kind of, yeah. That's actually a at great, this, yes. At this point, at this point, definitely at not later. At this point, but, yeah. But, but they, did, they did dial them back, and they dialed them back about, about 100%, I would say, from the last outpost, and made them more schemers and ruthless and, and cold. And uh, you know, cut but your throat to get by without making them without but, making them like without making them that way. But here's the thing that I have to say that I love though, John, and this is what matters to me the most. While okay, so they still are like that, like they they're they're more cutthroat. I mean, they still were supposed to be like that, but again, they showed it differently. But here's my here's my take though, John. The fact that it was like, hey, we're, we are about the money, and the fact that this guy went outside. Of our that, that's our prime directive. <laughs> Show me the money. Show me the money. And the exactly. fact that he Everything went against that possible. over, and the fact that he went against that over a personal grudge. Ooh, don't worry, I'm the captain now. And I was like, oh, like I thought they were going to be working with him the whole time. It's like his goals are our goals, and it's like, no, that guy's a renegade. Fuck him. And I was actually intrigued to see that he literally was like, you know, look, from one you know, first officer to another, good luck. And I was like, well, shit. Like, they knew of his, they knew that he had the device, the captain, but it's not like they were, like, they were even shocked when he was like, no money. What? And it's like, what? This is collecting a debt. It's like, no, it's fucking not. There's no money in this. What, are we going to offer his life for money? That's dope. No, we're not. Fuck you. You're not the captain. 
Like I enjoy, even though it's it's still sick in its own way and it's barbaric and all this stuff, it still shows mm. that they're not that they are not necessarily always opposed. Like it isn't this weird because you know this is a weird situation with some villains where it's just like you know it's like you're you're eating you're you're heating up some toast, you're synthesizing up some toast, and it's like who fucked with the synthesizer? Damn it, the Ferengi. Always in our way. Why? It's like, no, they actually do have motivations. They aren't just these weirdos that are coming in everywhere. It's like, no, their motivation is money, plain and simple. If it goes against that, why do we care about you? And it, it is interesting, like I said, you can already see that they're trying to flesh the Ferengi out and make them a little bit more believable and legit by having, it, having them adhere to sort of an, their own internal almost their internal their own internal sense of ethics or their own internal sense of honor is that you know they, there's there's no they won't do things that aren't profitable so we see that they do have yeah. a sort of there there is a, a sort of societal code that they live by they're not just marauders just raging around you know grabbing anything that isn't uh, nailed down you know they do have a sort of there's there's a sort of you know civilized nature to them now in in a sense and, I like and we're that. getting a little bit more that there's an actual ferengi culture yeah, and I like that a lot because it's needed. It was harshly needed for them to even try to claim that they're, you know, these top dog new villains. These are the new Klingons and, and stuff like that. You know, it's like new Klingons. What do you what do you mean? You know, so having this happen, I was impressed compared to the, their last outing at the outpost. I was actually impressed. Um, I don't know if this one is better than the last episode we saw because it did do some things that I usually don't like, but I do think that, again, the stakes were so high by the end of it, it might be one of my favorites so far, which is hard yeah, to do because is. the Ferengi were there. Right, and it definitely is one of the more watchable outings for the for the first season. I Like I, like I told you before, my, I, I would put it above the previous episode for the fact that um, – we got to see it gave us a, a little bit of a, of a glimpse into the character of and the past of Picard, who we you know they really only at this point kind of just teased certain aspects of it. We know that you know his uh, you know he he his best friend died under his command. We know that uh, you know now he's serving with his wife and and uh, you know their kid. So it so and and giving us a glimpse of of, of Picard's time on the scar on the star sorry stargazer was actually uh, – I really put this episode up there. Like I said, it's our first real glimpse into, uh, you know, into Picard's earlier career. So I'm confused about one thing, though. He died on that ship, or that's something completely different? No, uh, Crusher's husband died on the Stargazer. I think it was specifically oh. an away mission, but he was, on, he was serving – I think he was uh, – he was either the tactical – I think he was the tactical officer – on the on the start. No, but it wasn't, I don't, in, that, I don't think it wasn't it, in that outing. That's what I mean. No, he Those wasn't. Two, you didn't see you yeah. didn't see any like ghostly Jack Crusher when they when you saw the yeah. sort of spectral images of the old crew, which that was exactly. And also yeah. uh, Picard walking. There was also some really genuinely good moments. Like I think when Picard walked onto the bridge and said hello, old friend. That was a good one. Yeah. No, that's why I I love this episode so much is because. It's how, it's how, um, I can't believe, um, I, I, I want to say his real name, not Picard, but for some reason my brain is just blanking. Why is my Patrick brain Stewart. blanking on, on Patrick Stewart? God damn, he's a fucking national treasure. Uh, and I mean like every nation, not just ours or theirs. So 
Yeah, it he's such a he, the way he portrays this character in this episode and what he brings to the table. I truly believe it, and and I believe that he believed that he was going through every motion again. Like that touched me at the end when he truly believes it's happening again, and he's just telling them like, "Who are you? Look, we're just we're we're being nice here. Why are you attacking our ship?" And it's and it's just the fact that Riker is trying to get through to him, and he's kind of he literally asks like, "Who are you? Like, you are a new person to me. We've never met, but you're not an enemy." Like, it was just, I don't know. Like, it didn't it didn't seem fake. That's that's what really drew me in about this. Like, it didn't seem. And you mentioned this last episode when we were talking about the last episode, how Picard, how um how um Patrick Stewart has this way of delivering these lines. As if it's he truly believes them, full conviction. No, like we're being camp here. Wink. It's like no, it's 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 all on the table. And I feel like you this hired, episode me, to, you hired was, me to deliver these lines, and I'm going to deliver the hell out of these lines. And it's fucking funny because he did not believe in this show, at least early on. I don't know when that changed throughout the season, but early on he did not believe. We've talked about this before. He thought the show was going to get fucking canceled, so he yeah, didn't pack didn't, his didn't he unpack. didn't unpack his fucking suitcase. He didn't unpack. So he was in a hotel room, didn't unpack a suitcase. I don't know when that changed throughout the season, but either way, he was a professional through and through. You know, and, so, and yeah, they, I mean, he definitely sunk his yeah. teeth into this episode. It, it let him, it, you know, it, it let Picard steal the show, or let Patrick Stewart steal mm-hmm. the show, which early on didn't didn't really happen much. He was kind of a distant, remote figure, and here we actually kind of got you know got kind of up close and personal with him, which was uh, you know kind of an early treat. Yeah, I so I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed having this weird mind device that even that isn't um, what's a, it's a device that is not, uh, I guess, always tied to the Ferengi. If that's what I'm looking for here, it isn't like it's their device, homemade, something like that. No, it's something that was purchased with something that with money that was saved up. So it must be a lot of money because the Frankie love to make money and they love money making opportunities. So like I bring this up though, John, because of the fact that, <clears throat> excuse me, the fact that it, because it, it would be complete bullshit if the Ferengi just have access to this technology 24 seven, you would fucking run the galaxy if you did. Yeah. No, so this, they is, this is a one time, this is a one time thing. Purchase. This is a one time purchase. This is a high ticket item. Right. This is fine art uh, of the. And, and, <laughs> this and this is, is not. A bit of, it is a bit Saturday morning. It's a bit of a Saturday morning, like enemy MacGuffin. You know, it's a, it's like a brain brainwave. You know, but you know what it is? It, it, it's exactly that though. It's a MacGuffin. I feel like they they kind of treat it for what it is. Where the focus, they're really like the the device itself isn't really a big deal. It really is just to get Picard into that situation where he's like I said, he's hallucinating that his own. You know, he's in a battle with his own his own starship on his old, you know, he said on his old, uh, which, which you know, kind of kind of it's like your old uh, eighty nine eighty nine Corolla going up against your uh, your new uh, you know your, your, your new Lambo or I don't know. I'm gonna be level. I, I, I don't own a car. <laughs> but, no, yeah, that's what I was. I was, I was sitting but, back um, and I'm like, does he is he saying these things thinking that I, someone who also does not own a car, would be good for that? I was like, what the fuck are you doing, John? No, but here's what. <laughs> uh, so this is the thing, right, John? Um, even though you're right, it is, uh, you know, it is like this giant, like, you know, uh, 
uh, I guess you, yeah, you called it Saturday morning. It's just very, very out there, very much like you know, not do ex machina, but it's very, um, just it, it's op. That's the word that the kids use nowadays, and by nowadays I mean ten years ago. It's op. It's very overpowered, right? But I think they explained it very well because if they had just said, yeah, the Frankie can always do this. Why? Well, why, why would you know? It's like it, then, it, then you could never destroy the Ferengi. No one could. <laughs> why are the Ferengi not running everything? What? I just get this image in my because no, I know you. I know you're saying like this isn't gonna like we're not gonna be running into this every week with Ferengi's attacking people with thought makers. But I'm just thinking a quark in deep because Deep Space Nine has a has a recurring character as a Ferengi bartender. And, and he's, he's a cool you know, Ferengi. I, I've heard of him. He's a cool, but but I'm just picturing that every week they're worried that Quark is going to whip out the thought maker and make you over oh your drinks or something. Oh, Jesus Christ. No. So no, a good this is tip. not a recurring thing that we see a lot. This is really just Box and specifically. Yeah, on, on a ver- revenge power trip, which that confused. So, okay, John, I, I'm sure they were trying to leave this open for interpretation, but it genuinely confused me. Not because I don't like things being left open for interpretation, but because sometimes these episodes don't do that to leave it open. They do that because they run out of time. So I don't know which is which in this situation. So I don't know if they ran out of time or they genuinely wanted us to not know if the Ferengi controlling Picard's mind and implanting things meant that everything in the episode was fake. Because only two of the recordings were false and we never knew which were. Like, it was never completely confirmed. Now, you could argue, no, but he's obviously, you know, uh, faking everything he needed to fake just to take down Picard. But why would he lie about the revenge? He's not lying about the revenge. He is upset that his son was killed. But was his son killed unjustly or not? And we're kind of, we're, we're kind of take, expected to take on faith that Picard wouldn't just kill somebody in cold blood. Like, Picard wouldn't have but attacked no, unless. But that's the thing. The way they planted it was he wasn't killing in cold blood. The engine exploding was something that Picard did not account for and was not shown to him. So it was done in a way where it claimed that Picard was unaware that it was an engine exploding, not that it wasn't that, you know, he thought it was them opening fire. So then he says, respond, why did you shoot at us? And they did not respond, allegedly. So he then opened fire. In the, and then they open fire, and then he says, well, you've shot me once. I guess you're shooting me. I have to – we have to use warp – we have to do the Picard method, which I love that they brought that up because I'm pretty sure they've brought that up already yeah. this season. So he used the Picard now, maneuver. Now, just to, just, to jump, just to jump in on this one important note, though, it's actually it's – the, mm. it's the Picard maneuver, and I bring that up because mm. that's actually – that actually became an important part of the Star Trek mythos. That's the name the, – the fan name or the production you know, company name – for when Picard stands up and tugs his shirt down in the later seasons. <laughs> that's, that's the Picard Thank maneuver. You. <laughs> Thank you, John. This is why you're here, John. Um, exactly. So, no, but uh, <laughs> very important. So, um, but when talking about, you know, the way they set this up, this this one Ferengi, I – I, I still don't like. I'm not saying I don't know because again, like you said, we're supposed to take at face value that the Ferengi was lying to a certain extent, but the but it did happen though. The ship did explode. His son therefore did die. So does he truly believe that his son was unjustly killed, or is he just like, no, you've killed my boy. I don't even care if he wanted to kill you because that's awesome. But you killed him, so I have to come kill you. 
Yeah, I think I, I think it's the latter. I think, I think it's a case of okay. my son, you know, you know, my son, you know, my son can do no wrong, you know, even though because from from what it sounded like, is the son picked a fight with with the stargazer. The stargazer yeah. shot the ship in a non in a like kind of a warning shot across their bow, but in in so doing, accidentally, you know. But again, that was only after the Ferengi ship had opened fire first. Yes. Yeah. No. So that's the thing. So I'm assuming that it was, you know, that it was the way Picard set it up. But remember, we don't know Picard yet. That's the thing, too. So in showing this, this is another weird case of it's good that we got backstory, but we get these weird red herrings, and it's like, well, which one is it? And I'm like, I, I don't know these people. Maybe it is true. I just met Picard the other day. It's been like a month, maybe two at this point. It's been like almost two months. I just met Picard. You can't throw red herrings at me. Like with the, you know, like with um, uh, uh, the Naked Now. It's just like, well, I mean, is this who they are, or are they under the influence? I don't know yet. What are you doing? <laughs> do, do, do these people normally act like this? <laughs> yeah. So in this case, I, I understand that, you know, of course you have the Ferengi there with the orb, and that's the whole point. And they showed the orb very early, so, like, you you, you had this idea. They're like, oh, no, don't worry. You know, you, 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 you were concerned at first about this inner turmoil, and is it really Picard and one of these headaches? But don't you fucking worry. It's, not, it's, it's no guilt or anything like that. He's actually being controlled, so don't you worry. But then we find out that, no, it really was his son. So that's why this kind of throws it into a loop. Not that the villain was right, but the villain was factually correct about certain things. So how much of it was a complete fabrication and how much of it was legit? Right. Right. And more to the point, how come, how come on the stargazer, the stations are labeled? <laughs> I, Wait, what about the stations? Me up. The, the, the stations on the Stargazer, like, Helm has, like, just Helm written in big letters. Like, were, were officers having trouble finding their posts? And so that was necessary? I mean, it was, it was an earlier ship, so we could imagine that everyone on there was new. So maybe it was. Uh, so, <laughs> what, what are you doing? What are, what are you doing down here, uh, Lieutenant uh, Ashbury? Uh, I'm just setting a, a new heading. Well, that's great. This is waste extraction. The, the the bridge is uh oh well John uh, I John I think you have to remember that in TNG they had to have Picard tell them that it was Picard by having a P for Picard so you know exactly I think we need to remember that before we before you make fun of the stargazing team before you make fun of that crew remember they had to see that who's messing with our systems. P for Picard. You have to remember that. <laughs> and and just in case it didn't it didn't completely uh you know completely drive the point home and then then he uploaded an ad for Earl Grey tea just so they knew it was him. Exactly. So I I but yeah I enjoyed the Ferengi in this one. I enjoyed the um uh not just special effects because they were nice too but like I mentioned earlier just I mean Picard completely you know living through all this not only living through it like oh yeah do this do that the cough i know this sounds so silly to some people but the cough that patrick stewart gave i legit thought he was dealing with the smoke inhalation it was and he just probably, it was in his too mind good. He probably thought that he was yes that's what i'm saying it was just too good so um that i will admit though i mean i'm happy because I, again i know that you know it's a 
it is what it is. But I was worried that they were going to go the the route of, oh, your deep-seated trauma is coming back to you through headaches for some reason. And for some other reason, you've completely forgotten about all of this, even though you have your own supplanted memories. And like, I thought they were going to get too cerebral in a way that was going to be an issue. But thankfully, with the Ferengi interference, it 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 became more tolerable than just being one episode surrounding one person. Even though I, you know, I want to learn more about Picard, but still, one episode surrounding one person and not really dealing with anything else. Because this, I think, like I mentioned uh, last episode, this series does. I think some of its worst as of this point, when it only focuses on one person and barely on the rest of the cast. Yeah, it's, it's so, meant to be an ensemble. It's an ensemble show, but also TNG kind of operated in a way that each person kind of got like their day in the spotlight. Hmm. Then I th- I think really it depends on the execution then, because some of these have not been executed well in my opinion, but this one really was, and so I, I definitely prefer that as well. Um, anything about the episode that stands out to you, especially compared to your first time viewing it, which I assume was like you mentioned last time uh, as a teen in the nineties. So yeah, another, the battle was another one that I didn't really. I, I kind of slept on a lot of the earlier TN, like the earlier TNG episodes. It, it was a little while before I saw the whole of of season one. And this, like I said, this is definitely one of the better one of the better offerings. Um, you know, a little little bit of a uh, little bit of of lore with Picard's you know, earlier career. Uh, one, one thing that I did find interesting was the fact that um, initially the Stargazer was supposed to be a Constitution class cruiser uh just like the original enterprise just like kirk's enterprise and um mm. later on they decided to change it but also they i think they had already and this is what this is why the the stargazer is called the constellation class because they had already recorded they had already shot a scene of geordie i think it was saying the name of the of the ship's class and um they needed to have something when they made the change that it was no longer you know the stargazer was no, no longer going to be a constitution they needed something similar sounding that they could dub over it Oh wow! Oh, so then they got uh, the actor in to redub the line. Yeah, they looped in. They looped in a new line about you know being the, hmm. the constellation class rather than constitution, and then kind of the rest of That's history. Crazy. Yeah. So at some point, at some point during the probably rel- relatively late in the episode's conception, they decided to make it you know a different type of ship. That's crazy to think about. Um, that's not new to live-action media. There's actually a lot of stuff that's been overdu- um, overdubbed. I don't know about newer stuff, probably from behind, like shots like that. But there's a lot of stuff in older media, both in English and even Japanese. I can't speak for other regions uh, that get dubbed over like that. Funnily enough, a lot of Japanese superhero shows back then, they filmed either in whatever lot or you know uh, wherever they were filming, lot, house, you know, uh, canyon, right? Uh, and they filmed there, but they didn't have the mics on spot. So even though they said all their lines out loud, they redubbed it later. This was like yeah, in the exactly. 70s, 80s, 90s. But here's what gets really interesting, though, John. Uh, sadly, and he's fine now, but at the time, the actor for the original Common Rider, the actual live-action actor, not like a suit actor or anything like that, he got injured doing one of his own stunts on a motorcycle. So they had to find a way to write him off. So they did. They brought in another uh, Common Rider 2. And then when 
the actor got you know better they brought him back so then they had both common writers going at it as like this you know duo of justice but the reason why this is relevant john is because when the actor got injured they were like fuck we have to write him out really quick so they do that and they find the, their their plot threads do that but they have to get someone else to redub some of his lines with what they've already filmed cuz he was in a full cast at the time i don't know if it was full body but like he couldn't walk because yeah, i think his no leg shape. was broken he was in no shape to film those scenes, so they had to get someone else, who I don't know who this was to this day, to dub over the lines, and you could just hear it. You're like, that's not the same guy. Oh, here's something you'll love. Uh, the guy who played the original Kamen Rider is Sega Sanshido. Oh, of, of uh, Sega Saturn thing. Yes, the Sega Saturn thing. Yeah, he's Sega Sanshido, and he was the original Kamen Rider. So that's why he was so popular in Japan, because everybody knew him. Well, you know what? Everybody learned something. Everybody learned something today. <laughs> yeah, everybody learned something to, But um, but no. But I bring up the overdubbing stuff because again, like in a pinch, they need to do shit like that. And even just the standard, they need to you know dub over stuff like that. So it's it's very interesting uh, that stuff like that will happen. A lot of older Ultraman. I know you're somewhat familiar with Ultraman. A lot of older Japanese Ultraman have had like you could tell you squint. You're like that wasn't the original line because literally they're like ah this one works better. But we already filmed this. Fuck it. Plus. The fact that a lot of a lot of Sentai uh, characters they 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 wear masks where the lips don't move, so it's well, no, easy to overdub. So that, well, no, not even like that. I meant like the actual live action people outside of the suits. Sometimes you could squint and be like, he did not just say that. Even in Japanese, you're like, he said something completely different. So they just added stuff in the booth when they went back to yeah, redub. You tell. You could but tell no, but. It. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, but no, but yes, you're right. As superheroes, they do have that option as well. And of course, they have different, you know, people doing the stunts usually and everything like that. So like that's different as well. But I mean, like the actual actors themselves uh, back in the day ha- already had to na- normally naturally redub. But then certain scenes are like, no, it's not the same line. Um, even if you don't know Japanese, you could just see it. It's like that's too long. He just opened his mouth and said one something with one syllable. And there were like four syllables in that. Um, and you anyway, could tell, so back you know. to the, you could always gotta tell. But uh, but back to this episode though. This was another weird situation with Beverly, where I was so confused. Where like she was a bit stronger, which I liked. She was like, I'm the only person on here that can order you, Captain. And I was like, Fuck yeah, Beverly. But then throughout the now, entire episode, she's that? like, Where was that a yes. few episodes ago when he was acting I know. really weird? <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. But in this case, though, it is kind of odd. Well, it's funny that they've apparently gotten rid of headaches. That's great. Um, but, like, I love it. Like, you have a minor headache? Sorry, come back to me when your arm is falling off. But yeah. uh, what is interesting, though, is even though, yes, I get it. She doesn't know what's going on necessarily, but she's still very, like, she's strong at first, but then very flippant as the plot needs to go on. She's like, well, I mean, I guess if I can't figure it out, you could probably die on the ship. I guess. Like, it does, yes, throughout the episode, she is like, oh, you're working again. To be fair, she does say stuff like that. But it's very chill in a way. It's just kind until the end, until the climactic end where it's like, all right, I got to find Riker. And, and like you said, where was this a few episodes ago when the entire ship was in danger? Yeah, it's just like, oh, well, you know, when he has a when he has a cold, <laughs> no, not a cold. Um, this this later. Uh, when he has a, a headache, headache, you know, you have no problem stepping up and and um, you know, taking him down. But you know, before again, she she unless she learned from that experience, 
that any time, mm-hmm. you know, if the, if, if the captain's even acting even slightly off, then, you know, it's caused to kind of step in. So taken that way, I kind of, I kind of choose to see it that way. That actually makes it a little yeah. more sense that she's actually learning from the past experiences, which is especially cool in a show like TNG where, you know, it's episodic and nobody really seems to learn anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't think if we take it that way, that's good. But I think that's more fan canon than anything. Which is sad because my yeah, it would cannon, be nice. My head cannon is that season yeah. one was good. <laughs> oh my god, that is my head. And everything that happened in the show was science fact, not science fiction. <laughs> oh they no, got John, us. they got us. Um, yeah. So I don't know what else I can say about this episode. Not that we end it right here because that'd be funny. But I don't know what else to say other than I really enjoyed Patrick Stewart's performance. I enjoyed the Ferengi's performance, and it seemed like people were more in character. Oh, oh, I remember. I was shitting on Wesley through text to you because oh, because I I do feel like for all this episode's strengths, and like I said, this is definitely one of the better mm-hmm. ones. Um, there yeah. is one line from Wesley that I believe was the shot heard mm-hmm. around the world that cemented the mm-hmm. entire fandom's hatred of him forever. Okay, you first then. <laughs> uh, and 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 that line, you know, of course, would be, "You're welcome, ladies, huh? Adults." So I think the problem was the delivery, and also the pacing, and also the line. But even if the line wasn't the problem, it was the delivery and pacing. And I don't actually blame Will Wheaton. Why do I not blame Will Wheaton? Putting aside the fact that he's a teen actor, so it's I think it was one of his first roles. Even putting that aside, they should have let that sink in and let it sit but for some reason they didn't so it was like yeah let's get it through quickly like they only did one take with him i'm sure they did multiple if that was the best he could do sorry no but i don't think that was the best he could do i think that they honestly were like all right we got to get this done quick so all right he said the line fuck it let's move on because i did read it i did read like i said it's been a little while but for 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 a while there will wheaton himself was doing a blog where he would he would review each of the season one episodes, and I don't think he got through the whole first mm. season before he he stopped. But and he would he would be a review, but what also he would share his anecdotes um, from working on the episode. I thought it was really awesome. I like that, and I was kind of hoping that he yeah. would, that he would continue. But at some point, I think he did uh, he did kind of kind of stop updating it. But he said that he just hated like that was just a prime example of the fact that he hated even as a kid that he had to say these horrible horrible lines. That he that he knew everyone was going to hate, but this is just what was written for him. So really, it's that you know it's it definitely shouldn't be Will Wheaton hate, and it shouldn't even be Wesley hate. It should be the the season one TNG writers hate for 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 yeah. forcing a human being to say that kind of dialogue. Forcing a human being, whipping him. You must use this dialogue, child, human child. But you had me rolling about the the ColecoVision sweater. Um, a, Damn it! You the, fucking the, you ruined know. the punchline, John. John, you ruined the punchline. <laughs> I was getting that, that next one. Damn it, Dad, John, old man, John, you ruined the punchline. All right, so <laughs> the next thing. So this was you know because I let you go first, but what I actually had said first was when Wesley walked in. So like one of the, in the first five minutes, I believe, or like ten minutes, and he was like, "Hey, you're about to get a call." And I was like, "How do you know that?" And it was like, "Because I'm so much cooler than all of you," and like just his delivery, and I'm like fucking walking in here with that arrogance with a fucking ColecoVision sweater. Because 
the logo. I'm like, that's the ColecoVision colors, isn't it? And it kind of is when you look at the logo. It so is John, the rainbow. Con- it's the rainbow, the rainbow stripe. Which honestly, like, I think you can <laughs> get that sweater now. Like, that's become become sort of like a, a pop cultural uh, icon. Well, no, um, I'm it, not it, saying it may it's not a, be any okay. pumpkin sweater. <laughs> it's only bad on Wesley with his attitude. Devoid of his attitude, I'm not going to make fun of the sweater. But because of his attitude, and because he's a 15 year old boy with a ColecoVision colored sweater, I'm like. Or striped, or striped sweater. I'm like, how dare you? So, by the way, John, what is your experience with a ColecoVision? I was under the impression you never picked up one. So when you knew what that was, I was. I know you're older than me, but like, you don't have, uh, as far as I know, a lot of Atari ColecoVision memories. So when you knew what no. that was, I was like, well, John. I, I I had kind of a weird history. I had a kind of a weird history of video games. To be completely honest, is I the first video game system that that we had in my house was a ColecoVision. But we got it in in the summer of 1990, well well oh. into the well into the tenure of the NES. Most kids had NES yeah. at that point. Was said I wasn't mm-hmm. really like I said at that point. I was about like six years old. I wasn't humongous into video games. I would just kind of watch when my when my cousins would play. Um, and without <laughs> without airing too much of my family's dirty laundry, basically, um, my cousins had gotten an NES, and um, my uncle who was a person of dubious character decided that because they had the NES that they could just give away their, that he could give away their ColecoVision. So they let my, he let without my sister and I them. have it. And yeah, without asking them or without telling them just said, yeah, we're going to give away your ColecoVision because you have something better now. Um, so, you know, so I basically, we, I got, I didn't really know what the, the story was behind it until years later. Um, and then we gave it back to them because they said that much, much later, like 10 years later, we gave it back to them because we, we felt bad that it was taken from them in the first place. But so, yeah, so the ColecoVision was my first video game system. Well, well after it's, uh, well after it's heyday, but you know, when I was a little I'll kid, get you I didn't a, really, uh, I'll get you a ColecoVision for your birthday. Um, so no, here's the thing, John, with me and video games too. So my family was always on the cheap with games and i only realize this now and why do i realize this now so i got a super nintendo i would argue very close to when the n64 was supposed to come out so i got the n64 really late when the gamecube was already out so i always got stuff on sale i would argue now i'm not saying every video game was on sale to be fair because my mom to get me like pokemon games and stuff like that so to be fair those were full priced i will admit but I noticed, though, I don't know if it was my dad or if it was my mom, when I look at some of my Super Nintendo games, do you know the company Majesco, John? Yes. Okay, and if anyone's confused, they're called Majesco, not Majesco John. That'd be very interesting. So uh, Majesco, <laughs> they they did – that was a fun joke. They did re-releases of games on the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis, all completely legal. They went through the proper channels, and in doing so – they were budget-titled re-releases. So my Mega Man X, I've realized this now, was a budget $30 re-release. There's nothing wrong with the game. There's nothing missing from the game. It's just that it is a Majesco re-release, and the manual is in – If you th- maybe you would, uh, the general you would think this is wrong. The manual is in black and white. 
instead of being like a, like a grayish instead of being full color. And that's how you know uh, if you don't open up the cart or you don't see the sticker on the cart or if you don't have the box anymore like I didn't. Oh, this is a Majesco re-release. So I wondered for years why they were in black and white. I thought maybe we rented them and never returned them because I was like, oh, because Bla- uh, Blockbuster would sometimes do shit like that. So I thought maybe – or early on before they got a copyright you know, lawsuit from Nintendo. So I thought that was the issue. No, my family just got me Majesco re-releases of Mega Man X, The Lion King, and a few other games. So I bring this up, John, is because we both, even though we're both uh, 10 years apart, a little over, I thought, um, or around that. Oh, whoa. I am eight years your senior. Old? Do not sell me short. <laughs> I'm sorry. As I said, around. I said ten or around, which meant don't round less than. up when you're talking about my age. <laughs> How dare you? Um, no, but I bring this up because even though we're we have eight years on each other, according to John, um, we we are st- still got into the games really late. So I didn't even know you had a ColecoVision. I forgot about that. But we still got into the games really late when it comes to literally video games. Uh, now you never had TNG as a game, did you? Uh, no, because I think, well, well, the TNG, there was, there was an NES game for it. And, um, actually it's kind of funny. I did, part of the reason, part of, part of the reason that I got into Star Trek was like TNG specifically was that one of what I would do is that at that point, speaking of reprinted games, it was like the late, like the mid to late nineties and Walmart was doing, uh, was selling a lot of the Sunsoft reprints of old Game Boy games. And, um, and I and basically I would just walk in there with twenty dollars every couple of weeks and just treat myself to a uh, you know kind of a budget uh, budget game, and I got the the TNG for uh, Game Boy. And, um, I, and I feel was, terrible. I don't want to like I don't want to like promote our other stuff and feel like I'm like you know I'm just I have no shame. But like I, I we base this is basically the premise of another series that we do over at our those guys play channel which is john's game room where you for uh it's been one so far where we took a look at some games in your actually no it's been two so far your dreamcast and ps1 collection some of the higher ticket ones that you literally would get for 20 bucks but some of them are now yep. worth hundreds of dollars it's hilarious yes. now that one is not worth hundreds of dollars now as far as i know but no, I, do you still no, have it probably not <laughs> Uh, but do you still somewhere. have it or no? I don't know. It's not in your. It's in the attic or the garage or. Oh, because it's yeah. No, it's not in your tote. Because in your tote you have all the disc-based games. Yes, this is an old you know, school like Game Dreamcast, Boy uh, Game Boy title. Yeah, so this needs to be this needs to be found elsewhere. So no, yeah, because but that's that's actually really cool because I because I I've never asked you about Star Trek with video games and you because I actually don't know too much about the Star Trek games. So yeah, when I I thought about it for a second, I'm like, wait, that sounds like something John would have had, and yeah, you you got it for like ten bucks. So it was in box fully. Yeah, yeah, it was a complete it was a complete game. It wasn't actually no, it, it wasn't a Sunsoft re- reprint. That was for the the Game Boy Final Fantasy games, but um, but yeah, it was a, it was Walmart was selling because it was it was like ninety. 98 around there um, when the Game Boy was was kind of on its last legs so they were uh, you know they were, they were basically clearancing out Game Boy games and yeah, uh, so it was uh, easy to, easy to so come by at that, that point but John I, I, I feel bad asking you this as we're getting closer to wrapping this up John did you did you throw out the box the, yeah out the, the box, box the box didn't make it I don't think the box made it home honestly <laughs> Oh, 
But yeah, I, I don't think you know, I said it was not it was not a stellar game. It definitely was no a final unity. This Game Boy one, so it was basically just a support of the NES one. Um, so it was it was uh, you know it, it, interesting enough, but it was it was basically it was, it was everything you'd expect a licensed game to be. Yeah. All right then. So, anything else you want to say about this episode? Any differences you remember from the uh, from that disc you had back when you were a, a wee little one? From that told you one? all the differences with the scripts. From so, this well, one, well, not well, really. Teen- no. Okay. But uh, what was yeah, your no, favorite was, part yeah, of it? I was I was, uh, I was a young young adult, late teen, late teen, early twenties. Like I said, a wee little one uh, compared to your age now, which is still very yeah. young. Uh, John, yes, of course. What is what was your what was your favorite part of this episode? Um, like I said, his first, you know, Picard first stepping onto the, the bridge of the Stargazer, and kind of having that, you could definitely feel his sense of nostalgia. You know, I definitely appreciated that, and also, like I said, even like the ghostly crew and the and the, you know him thinking that he was he was you know in in a battle back on his old ship. They said it, and it almost kind of reminded me of people that I said that, that are that remember their old battles, you know, old servicemen and things and things like that, kind of remembering the past. And um, yeah, yeah, there really was a sense of sort of wistful kind of melancholy to it because, like I said, this was and and Picard would go on in a, in a later episode would speak very you know speak very fondly of his time on the Stargazer and would actually confide in one of the guest characters that if he had if he could he would he would. Uh, he would do it all over again. You know, so he would, there, there are days that even though the Enterprise is so much, you know, is technologically superior, the Stargazer is the ship that he misses. So, yeah, I – and you mentioned the fact that we obviously have not gotten much of his past before this episode. So to me, even though we, we know that he's older, they've mentioned he was on a ship before. We've had this teased. It still does feel like – not that he's a new captain, but that he – while he's a veteran, it's still because he's new here and new to us that he's new. But it's like, no, 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 he's he's been around the block. Like you could write novels about his time on the Stargazer, you know. Like you don't like this isn't his first rodeo, and it's no, not like oh, not. this is not his first rodeo. But it's interesting because you could argue, oh, well, it's not his first rodeo because he's been with the Federation, but not necessarily having his own ship for a long time or yada yada. It's like no, 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 he's had his own ship for a very long time. Not his first rodeo. Like this is a seasoned veteran, despite the fact that to us he's brand new. So I I enjoy getting a lot more of that backstory because again we we've been severely lacking that, and it's a TV show for Christ's sake. So like I understand each and every episode can't necessarily tie into each other, but it's very interesting to have, especially coming from. And I know TV has changed dramatically. But having the Netflix approach, which is every episode must tie in to every single – and I know that there's exceptions, but every episode must tie in to every single episode. And it, sometimes it gets a bit too overwhelming. So it's interesting to have the exact opposite where it's like, no, we need to make sure these run in syndication. So they will barely connect, and I mean barely. It's nice and, you know, to get as, an info As dump. time goes on, in the, in the later seasons, we we will get more in the way of recurring story arcs. And even in even in uh, even in season one, like I said, there are a few threads that that come back. You know, we do see Q again. Uh, yes, next we, in the next we, episode, we may be I think. Seeing actually. him soon. Yeah, we, yes. because I saw that next episode. Uh, Netflix shows you everything. Sometimes too much. So I'm like, oh, we're getting we're getting Q next week. I'm liking yep. it. Yeah. Uh, oh, something I have not mentioned. I should have mentioned this uh, last week. I feel bad saying this. We are in the month of October, 
which means that it's Halloween, it's spooky time, so you can actually check out, not just on those guys on the radio, but on our Those Guys Play and DJ Productions channel, uh, we're getting spooky all over the place. So we've got, we're getting a Halloween makeover. I, don't, I guess this is a scary episode uh, because the Ferengi were in it, and the last one was scary because Wesley did not uh, get executed. So both horror, uh, horrifying episodes. Um, Continuing truly. theme of, of, uh, of, of, of spine-chilling uh, terror. Well, it's again, it's one of those things where like I don't hate this character of Wesley, but every now and again they really try hard. Because like in that entire episode, I was like, man, like I really hope he doesn't get executed. This is intense. This is thrilling. I I need this drama. And then the next episode, he's just like, yeah, you're gonna get a call soon. How do you know? Well, why are you questioning me, huh, adults? And I'm like, fucking ColecoVision. So it's just. <laughs> You guys um, get on my level, and maybe because uh, once you can pull off a ColecoVision sweater, you can do anything. There are some people out there that are so mad that I made that reference because they're like, "I fucking love the ColecoVision. I hate Wesley. How dare you?" <laughs> I, um, I come from a very specific part of the Venn diagram that loves the ColecoVision and hates Wesley, and I will not be listening to your show again. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, no. Now I want to. Now I want to get that sweater. Do you know how badly I want hey, that sweater hey, now? Cracker, and I just made fun of him. My dad makes rainbow sweaters. <laughs> no, but now I want that sweater now. Now I'm actually kind of mad. I got to see where I can buy one. Well, I mean, winter okay, is yeah, coming. Um, that that settles what to get you for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, oh God! I have to. If I ever get that sweater, I will only wear that sweater while doing Star Trek reviews. <laughs> And I don't mean like these. I don't mean like these. I mean like on camera. When we do anything on camera, I will only wear that sweater. It will be 98 degrees during the summer, and I will be wearing that (laughs) sweater. For for your own sake, take the ColecoVision Wesley Crusher sweater off. (laughs) I can't. I just can't. Oh my god! I can't pull this. Oh my! I knew I couldn't pull the sweater off. I mean, I literally can't. It has become grafted to my skin. <laughs> Matt, are you okay? Fire torpedoes, number one. Oh no! <laughs> the sweater has attached itself to Matt. <laughs> I am the sweater. <laughs> oh no! Oh, All right, Jesus sir. Christ. Can this I just take down your name, Jean-Luc Picard? This has gone off the rails. We have to. We have to go. We have to let. The, we have to stop. We have. To, um, so, any any final words? Any last words? I shouldn't word it like that. Uh, before we go, John, or are we good? Just, are we good for this one? I, I think we. Uh, I think we're. I think we're good. I think we're ready to uh, warp, right. warp on to the next uh, adventure. We are. We are. Either way. Um, oh. I loved how they all fawned over Picard because again, it's something that we don't see often. Like everyone just kind of somewhat serious, but somewhat messes around. So it was really nice for them to be like, I just, just Picard in general, just, uh, you know, um, that's, that's what I did. And they're like, that's what he did. That's what he says. Oh, come on. Look at you, you champion. Like, that was kind of nice to see. It was, it was, it was very, it was, I don't know. It was just nice to see them fawning over him for what he's done. Because again, we don't know much about what he's done. So we know that they know of his work, but sometimes it's just like, ah. Uh, you know, yeah, we're, we're like, reminded that he is yeah. he's not just a cranky old captain, he's a decorated uh you know, decorated veteran, veteran. of Starfleet. Exactly. And um oh I was nervous when 
So when they when when you know he goes ah you know he, he tells them all to leave and he says hey bring down the the tractor beam and he's kind of being a dick which is kind of like you know fuck you but I was worried when it's like oh where's the captain transporter room new information he's not on the ship I thought he was going to kill himself like I thought he was so no I thought he was so because I thought he was sitting there and he's like oh my god I did fire on that ship. And that means that I actually killed innocent people on that ship. I need to atone for myself, and I'm going back to this place. So, because it was this very weird feeling of like this, like euphoric, like I'm feeling just fine, everything's good, guys. Come on, just leave me alone, it's fine. And then, when being left alone, he beams himself onto that ship after saying the traction isn't connected to it anymore. I was like, what's happening here? And then, of course, the Ferengi are controlling him to do all that until, you know, it's like, I'm going to kill you on the ship. And I, and you will also, and I will force you to kill your friends, which also is very powerful indeed. Um, but no, I thought he was legitimately like, I'm going to atone for my actions. I have no fucking idea. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. So it was intense until I learned what the true goal was, because I was like, does he truly believe that he killed those people in cold blood? Because this is the information he's being fed while he's asleep. Yeah. So yeah. I had I, I mean, no that was, idea. That was in a fairly dark turn. But... I mean, yes, but Star Trek can get dark. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I just didn't know where it was going to go. Because, again, I'm like, no, uh, no. so then, yeah, so. Well, again, not like he wants to. Like, he's like, oh, it's a, it, it's a good day to do it. But, like, I thought it was more like. You know, you are being fed this information. Does he even know what he believes anymore about what happened? I didn't know. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So, so either and, way, though. Yeah, and, and, there, and there actually is a an episode like that where it's like kind of illusions make someone like almost try to kill themselves. So it's not there. You know, you're right. Star Trek does go there. See, see, I'm not see. Even though I don't know anything about that episode, I don't even know what series it's in, and I could, you could just tell me that it was from a novel and tell me it was from a show, and I'll agree with you. But see. I was right. I deserve recognition. Yes. Uh, I don't even know. Anyway, but thank you all so much for listening in, as always. Uh, please, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please remember to like and subscribe. And if you're not, maybe you're listening to this through our uh, iTunes, which you searched up those guys to find, or maybe through our Blog Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com slash those guys on the radio. I don't know how you're listening to this. All I know is I thank you for listening. And if you're on our Patreon and helping support us through there, which is patreon.com slash Productions, thank you as well. So love you all. Take care. Uh, because it's Halloween, you can check out all the spooky stuff going on at TG Productions and those guys play, other channels of ours as well. Or you don't have to. You could just not. That's cool too. Love you all. Take care. Tune in next time for another episode of uh, Star Trek Thursday. So see ya. Trek or treat? John, trek or treat. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.